Are you willing to talk about that? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Well, that's what I was about to say. I was about to qualify it with saying, I really feel like that's what's happening here, but I'm not sure if you are sharing that or not. Yeah. I mean, might as well. I've shared everything else. We are wives, entrepreneurs, entertainers, executives. And at the end of the day, we are all moms. All at the same time and never in the same order. (laughs) This is Hi, My Name is Mom, a podcast about motherhood. Here are your hosts, Jen, Corey, and Kayla. Hi, guys. It's Jen. I just wanted to give you a heads up that today's episode of Hi, My Name is Mom is a little bit of a departure from our typical podcast. Kayla and I had decided that we were going to get the babies together and record a podlet and have a little martini and talk about the royals. And we called Corey on FaceTime to say hi, and we had no idea the direction this conversation was going to take. We never expected it to get so deep so fast. Here's what happened. This is our real life, how our real life conversations go. We have an idea of what we're going to talk about. And for whatever reason, just because of life, we wind up going into like a million directions. We literally just have had some rough weeks. And so Jen was going to come over, um, Loxley and Evie are (laughs) in the bonus room playing. And uh, we were just going to have a drink and honestly talk about the royal family. Uh, Cheers to start this episode. Welcome. That is fantastic. It's so good. So I juiced some green juices for my husband Mm. and I took the leftover cucumber and added a little um, homemade simple syrup it's and so good. parsley and lime and made cucumber martinis. We should get Corey one yeah. virtually. I wonder mm-hmm. what Corey's doing. We should FaceTime her. I'm going to FaceTime Corey right now before yeah. we get started. She doesn't know we're recording a podcast She has today, no so. idea. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see. Hi, guys. Corey's like, I'm on maternity leave. We're like, want to bet? <laughs> Fantastic. I drank yours. It's okay. I'm having some Dow Cabernet here. Oh my gosh. And we, we were getting together tonight to discuss the Meghan Markle Prince Harry interview. Yeah, we literally were getting together to talk about the royals. Because we have very important priorities and that is yeah. one of them. Oh, speaking but, of the royals, Corey, are you yeah. team royal or team Harkle? Oh my gosh, that's such a complicated question. It's a lot to unpack, girl. <laughs> Obviously, the mental health issues are incredibly real. Yeah, for sure. Mental health issues can happen regardless of who you are. And so I think everybody should be treated kindly. I I also love Meghan Markle from Suits. I really loved that show. Yeah, she told this crazy story about watching Little Mermaid and realizing all of a sudden she's like, you know, Ariel had to like give up her voice to get her prince. And she's like, I just, I realized that was me. I had to give up my voice to, to be with the prince. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's kind of heavy. I mean, it is. It's, and, and she does have such a great activist voice, no matter, you know, no matter what people think of her. With Megan, one of the things she said that was so fascinating to me was she was like, I always thought that the royal family were celebrities, right? And she's like, growing up in LA, when you see celebrities, they're like musicians or actors or, you know, sports figures or whatever out on the street, you think they're one way in public and then their private persona is different. And she said, what I realized the first time that I saw Harry bow to the queen in private, that was like, wait a second, you know, she like had to learn how to curtsy. I don't think that was a real life thing. I thought it was her show. So I think she knew in in a sense, like what she was getting into, but I don't think she really understood the depths and the layers of the formalities and whatever. Anyway. But here's the thing. 
at the end of the day, I'm Team Oprah, and I'm pretty sure Team Oprah's Team Megan and Harry. So, what are you, Team Kayla? You know, I don't like confrontation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Team. Why can't we all just get along? Bringing in the mental health thing—that's when. That's where all the other things, like them complaining about finances and like all that kind of stuff and her not knowing to curtsy. I'm just like, okay, get over it. You're yeah. marrying a prince. But when she's saying like, I'm suicidal, like these pictures yeah. make me depressed. That's when I'm like, okay, you're a person and you did the right thing by that's getting right. out of there. So um, Jen has been like asking me how I've been doing. I've honestly been, been like really dealing with bouts of depression. And um, I said, you know, the other day I knew that there was something off with me because you called me to ask how I was doing. And when I got off the phone, I felt like I was like, I feel like Corey didn't care about me, which isn't the truth at all. Like not not even like by a long shot. And I know that like that's when like it was part of the thing that I needed to check in. Like, okay, I'm starting to internalize. Nobody likes me. I need to like figure out what's going on in my head and my heart that I'm feeling all of these insecurities because I'm waking up not liking myself right now. And I know that's part of the like process that my, that I'm just hormonally going through, but like you did nothing whatsoever to make me feel that way. And that's how I felt like getting out of that conversation. And so that's when I'm like, okay, I need to check in with myself. I'm like, what's going on? What do I need to like help myself stay mentally healthy so that I'm not having these thoughts that I'm kind of worthless and like I'm not liking myself and my friends don't like me because they're, they're just untrue thoughts. And I feel like that's yeah. part of depression. It is. Yeah, because I'm glad you know that because obviously that couldn't be further from the truth. And I and that's what the thing like my head knows that like I know that and that's why I needed to check with myself and be like something's going on well, with me. You kept apologizing to me for being emotional or for interrupting my you know, new baby time or anything. When you called me to ask me how I was doing and I, and like, and I got off the phone, I'm like, no, my friend cares about me. She loves me. She was calling me. My head knows that. But like, I'm also knowing that there's a problem if I'm internalizing some things differently. And I'm also feeling that way about myself right now. And and that's not a normal thing. I'm not okay. I will be okay. Um, Well, and I really think it's like I mentioned to you the other day, Kayla, I think you really have to give yourself a solid two weeks from hormonal crash to feeling a little bit better with any hormonal shift. Mm -hmm. I honestly go through that baby blues thing. Yeah. Because the baby blues are caused because of a hormonal crash, which and like everything just finished. And so I'm I'm at that crash. Yep. Are you willing to talk about that? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Well, that's what I was about to say. I was about to qualify it with saying, I really feel like that's what's happening here, but I'm not sure if you are sharing that or not. Yeah. I mean, might, might as well. I've shared yeah. everything else. I mean, okay. So we're just going to, we're just going to dive into this. Um, I might cry. And I mean, I haven't shared this with anybody other than you guys and my family, but John and I um, just lost a baby last month and Ugh, so I heavy. hate saying so that sorry. out loud. I don't say that out loud. Um, which would be our fifth miscarriage, which it's like a, it's a lot of babies. And it's really frustrating because we were so happy about it. Like, obviously you're happy about it, but we, I, I thought this part of my story was over and I've accepted that like 
I was the girl that had all the miscarriages and then I had my miracle baby and everything's fine. And my, and my whole story is happy. And like, I don't, I feel like my like Instagram feed this past year has legit been like my life, like that happy. No, it seems that and, way. Um, and I don't like being negative. I don't like complaining or anything, but it's been three weeks now and my body just completed the miscarriage. Um, so it took about three weeks, like for everything to kind of clear out. And, um, I hit that hormonal shift where I'm just like, I'm down. Yeah. And, um, and like, even my doctor said, he's like, you've had five miscarriages. Are you sure you want to like have another kid? And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like hearing someone say that out loud is, is just like really hard. Um, well, it's hard. It's probably even, even a little harder now because, now you see what is at the other end of that pregnancy, yeah. you know, with Loxley and talk a little bit about how you've been compartmentalizing having a miscarriage before you became a, a mom to non-angel babies and then after and how that so, has happened. So I honestly, and I never said this out loud just because I, when we were going through years of infertility and we had the first four miscarriages, um, I felt like, well, if I had a kid and going through this loss, it wouldn't be as hard because I would or already have, um, you know, a baby I, in your I arms. would already have a baby in my arms and it would kind of soften things. And I think and it was hard because but it, it's not that the miscarriage was hard. It's just that I was grieving two different things. I was grieving the fact that I wasn't a mom and then I was grieving the loss of the baby. So I don't think it was less or more or anything like that. It just was, it's a different grief. That's a really interesting way to put it too. And it's like, you're yearning for something and then like you are grieving a loss. Mm -hmm. And so now having Loxley and being so unbelievably in love with her and understanding that love, because I don't care what anybody ever says to you. Like if you're an aunt, if you are I, a friend or anything, you honestly do not understand the love of a mother unless you are a mother. It just that instant love when you hold a baby in your arms. And like, as much as I loved all the babies that were in my belly mm -hmm. before Loxley, it's just so different when they're physically there. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that and understanding like how deep that is, the grief of losing a baby is so much more than it was before. But the, the thing that's different is I'm also not yearning to be a mom, like that yearning mm -hmm. isn't there. Mm -hmm. And so it's a different type of, so the grief of the loss of the baby is deeper, but I don't have that yearning of not being a parent. Yeah. So that, that is sense. how for me it's different. And I'm sure you and Corey can relate to that just because I know both of you mm -hmm. had your miscarriages when you already were mom. Yeah. And even like talking to you guys when I was pregnant with Loxley and we did this episode literally a year ago, mm -hmm. um, I thought like being pregnant, I still thought like, and, and like just being really honest and I, and I don't mean this in a bad sense. I thought like your miscarriages weren't as hard as mine because you already had kids. Right. And, and like, just with not knowing, because you're going to have a, a different understanding of things for things you don't experience. Yeah, of course. And so like now being a mom, I'm like, oh no, like 
that it's, it's not any easier. It's, it's actually deeper. And then you have to like suck it up and still take care of your kids. That's exactly what I was just going to say too. It's like, you have to still mom, even when you want to just curl into a ball and stay in bed all day. And so this miscarriage is so much different than any other one that I've ever had, because I feel like I still have to get up and be a mom and have this normal life. And before it was still like, I had support of like, oh my gosh, she's gone through infertility. She's going through like losses. She's gone through losses. She's gone through another loss. I can't wait till she has a baby. I can't wait till she has a baby. Well, I have a baby and then I just lost another baby. Mm -hmm. And so like it, now it feels like more secretive than it ever has before Mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, well, you already have a baby. So it's okay. But it's not, it's not okay. Um, But I feel more alone in this one than I ever have before. Well, since you have unfortunately gone through this, before what, what has been your sort of go-to coping mechanism previously? I mean, I know you said to me a couple weeks ago, I need to throw myself into being busy and working right now. And I'll yeah. grieve in a couple weeks, yep. which is now, which, which is, is exactly now, which what is, you expect. Yeah. And so I was just going to say that Kayla's method is to compartmentalize mm-hmm. and she's very strong in that she's able to see that and able to continue on. I mean, when she had her miscarriage just before having Loxley, she truly pushed it all aside to go and let a friend have a moment. You know, she is very good at doing that sometimes to her own detriment, I think. That party we went to after the fourth miscarriage, like literally the same day, I I left my doctor's appointment, came to your house, changed my clothes and went to this party with you. Just crazy. This week, like I painted my entire upstairs. And, um, I dive into house house projects. Um, if people don't know this, I do interior design and I'm really big into home DIY projects. And like, I literally have a piece of furniture that I've either built or refinished from every miscarriage. And I don't think I'll ever get rid of those pieces of furniture because they like represent something beautiful. I created out of grief. Mm-hmm. And so something you like restored and in a sense gave birth to gave it a new life. Yeah. It's, it's very symbolic. And so, I mean, yeah, I don't know if that can like falls into like nesting really hard, but um, yeah, I just dive into like creating things. I just like sketched up this painting that I want to do for our upstairs. And, and that's kind of just, yeah, how I handle it is I know what I'm feeling isn't okay me just like checking in with myself after I got off the phone with Corey, knowing that it wasn't her, it was me. Like, I feel like that is the biggest difference between how I'm grieving now mm-hmm. versus before. Right. And before I don't think I had the tools to understand that it's me, not them. Right. And I took things a lot more personal. I don't want to say I ruined friendships, but I probably pulled away from a few friends that I felt like weren't supportive. Yeah. And I just, I just realized that honestly, for the most part, people feel really awkward when you like talk about it Mm -hmm. and they don't know what to say. And so sometimes that's their way of being the best version of a friend they can Mm -hmm. is if they don't say anything. But for me, I say it out loud. Like a neighbor yesterday was like, how are you doing? I'm like, honestly, not well. I just had a miscarriage. And like, I I know it shocks them. Yeah. yeah. But like, I, and like, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them being uncomfortable for a little bit because I know for me and getting healthy and everything, Mm You just got to say it. This is what I'm going through. I'm not, I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not at a place where I can receive the other comments that come along with giving this information out, which is like, probably without not snapping back. Yeah. Like, (laughs) well, Well, that's where we have to create balance between 
saying something and people not saying something. Right. That mm-hmm. for each person, it's individual, you know? And so that's a really tricky balance for people, which I think is why it's, it's sometimes hard to know how to approach someone who's grieving. I tend to believe that saying something is always the move and then, you know, hope that you're given grace if you don't say the right thing. Right. Well, I had like, honestly one of my closest friends say to me, well, at least you have Loxley, which I know you guys both know, like, I'm not, I'm I'm not hurt by her before that comment would have just broke me. Or at least, you know, you can get pregnant. Like those comments used to break me and they don't break me anymore because now I'm just like, this person is trying to love on me and is trying to comfort me. And that's the only way I can process it. I feel like when people say things like, at least you have Loxley, it's almost their way of reminding you to look at glass half full. But unfortunately, when you're in the middle of that grief, it doesn't come across yeah, that because way. It's not about Loxley. Right. It's not about being a mom. It's, it's about, about the fact that this is another like, baby yeah. that you had already had hopes and dreams for. Yeah. Like, and we were like, I feel like we were, we, we only knew we were pregnant for a short time. Just like you said that you had a, your own opinions about how Jen and I's experience, you know, what, what our experience was like with our miscarriages. It was informed by what you'd been through. And now you have a whole new set of feelings because of being a mom. Yeah. That's just one of those things where it's like everybody has their own internal dialogue and reasoning for saying things and approaching things the way they do. Yeah. And with that friend, like if you never had a loss, you might think that's the right way to approach it to make you see glass half full. But the thing is, I, I feel very in tune with what you're going through because I so recently had pretty extreme baby blues and you can so easily feel like you're wanting to lash out at the people closest to you. Yeah. And, you know, I would feel so sensitive about like something Ty did or said, and he wouldn't even know it because I would check myself and be like, this is baby blues talking. Of course he loves me. Of course he wants to be helpful. Of course he wants to be here for me. Those moments are lonely and they're isolating because at the end of the day, you're the one who gets, has to get through that hormonal ride. Yeah. But it's so easy to look at the people closest to you and like have that voice in your head telling their story. That's not true. Yeah. And you know, Corey, that's like, it's funny you say that you had that with Ty because like you, you and Ty, like, obviously, you know, he loves you and everything, but that's the exact internal dialogue that I had when I got off the phone with you, which I know is me. Like, I know that was like me talking like that, or that was the, the downer that wasn't, there's no truth in that. And like, I think something that I, I don't know if anyone else is going through blues or like just feeling down or for whatever reason, but I think something important to hear is that your internal dialogue isn't always right. And not saying that like you're not worthy to feel those things because you feel it, feel all of that, but also acknowledge when your internal dialogue is wrong. That's right. I've had to self-talk myself so mm-hmm. much through the, these early baby days, you know, where I'm like, that's what you're feeling right now. It's not the truth. Yeah. That is such a tricky thing, but you know, you know what this makes me think of too, because again, it's like, you know, I feel like I'm going through this phase where I'm trying to find postpartum help, not mentally, because I feel like I'm through that, but just the physical thing of where you have a C-section and someone goes, great. Well, you know, you're six weeks now, so you're fine. When really you've got all these like scar tissue and you're healing and all these other things. Even when you deliver a baby, there is not much support after that baby comes into the world, mentally or physically. No, not and there's at all. even less when you have a loss. But the fact of the matter is your body has to still go through that process yeah. of getting that, you know, tissue out of your body, yeah. of like of cleaning everything out and the hormones that go along with it. The moment you're pregnant, 
your body starts producing high amounts of hormones that will support the pregnancy that then have to leave the body when the baby leaves the body. And so there is no true postpartum support. It really is. Yeah. It's a postpartum phase that is so secretive. Because yeah. you haven't told anyone you're even pregnant when you have this loss, right? Yeah. Like, except people closest to you. It's so much harder because there's the grief that goes along with the hormones. Yeah. And you're still in this postpartum phase plus grief and given no support. It's really a recipe for depression. I, I just, like, want to hug myself, like, five years ago for going through this and not not knowing what I know now, like I'm definitely grieving and it sucks and I'm acknowledging it and everything, but I feel like I'm grieving at such a healthier perspective than I did before. Not saying that it doesn't suck because like I was just talking to Jen tonight. I'm like, I'm not doing okay. But like, even me saying that is so much different than Kayla five, six years ago. I'm like, I'm fine. I'll be fine. Like, you, you want me to make you a taco? Like, even though I did make you did it, actually I, make me a crunch wrap supreme tonight. I did. And I tried to say no. I was like, no, I no, I know what you're doing. No. She's like, I'm going to make you one anyway. Yeah. So I did make well, her. Well, you came over to my house to meet Teddy and you kept apologizing for being empty handed. And I was like, shut your face. Yeah. So when I got off the phone with you the other day, that was part of the reason of my internal dialogue. Because like, I literally had found out I was pregnant and had a miscarriage at the same time you had Teddy. And I was like, so busy taking care of myself that I wasn't my typical friend to you. And that's been disappointing me. And I've had, I could cry about this because I've had so much guilt that like, I haven't been able to be the version of myself that I'm always, I always am to my friends, but like, I've been like, also like, okay, Kayla, you need to like sit back and take care of yourself and take care of your kid. Like, she's going to want you to come to your house empty handed or not. And I, I, I like, I have no reason to even feel that way. Like, by the way, like there's no, like you did nothing to warrant any of those feelings. For anyone who knows I'm the one like, Kayla, stop trying to make me dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But like, I've had so much guilt eating up at me because I've taken so much space and time for myself this past month. And I haven't been the giver to you that like I normally am in your postpartum care. The unhealthy part of my grief and the unhealthy internal dialogue is telling me like, you're not doing this for Corey. So she's going to feel this way towards you, which isn't true. Like there's none of that. That is true. Well, the flip side of that Kayla is that had I not just had a baby, I would have been like, we're going for a drink right now. You know, there would have been things I would have done for you going through this. Had I not been yeah. like, new you know, postpartum. I'm also hyper aware of the fact that there's been unfortunate timing with some of this stuff, you yeah. know, where just like, we went through with bash where I was so ripped up inside about the timing of things because you were doing August. I was doing September. Yep. And Mm -hmm. I was finding out good news when I don't, I don't even know if I can say it. I was finding out the happiest news while you were having your heart ripped out, you know, and that was so hard. Um, and I was so aware of the, the weight of that on you and that you wanted to be excited for me and, and how that wasn't the easiest thing in the world. And so it also, you know, it, it does break my heart too that, you know, as I have this like little newborn, I understand that that is not the easiest thing either. Well, uh, if I'm be- <laughs> John's daycare. 
I think um, if I'm being completely honest, I might have to go grab my child. Get her. I think a little bit of the depression from the loss set in after I held Teddy and looked at her. Like, I'm so glad I had that. I wouldn't take that back. Like, I want the feelings to come. I want mm-hmm. the grief to come. Well, you know I, you have to work through I, the grief I know no I have what, to work so through it's... it. And so, like, I want to do the work, but it doesn't mm-hmm. make the work any easier. Yeah. I feel like that is, like, where I am right now is I know I have to get through it. I'm not okay right now. I know I will be. Mm-hmm. I know my friends love me. And I think that having this perspective and just having like a good support system around me where I can say, I can admit to you like, Hey, my internal dialogue was way off. And like, I understand that I'm working through that. Like it makes it so much easier. <laughs> Let me talk to Jen for a second. Yeah, <laughs> this is mom life at its finest. You try and have a drink with your friends and talk about really serious gut-wrenching issues and your but children are ready to You do start to like just process grief different like when you understand it. And I just think, and and this can probably be applied to anybody who's just gone through some like crap. Because I mean, there's people that have way worse stories than I do. And you know, that we, we can't well, even imagine. Your right. Yeah, I like, agree. But I do think that it's important to remember that time is the only thing that helps grief. Hormones, on the other hand, can you can feel completely different from one day to the next. And yeah. my hope is that you are dealing with the combo plate here, right? And like, yeah. once your hormones correct, that it will be a little easier. That's I, I, I'm like, I, I called it from the start, like a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. I said, it's going to hit me in a few weeks. And I'm just at that point where it's hit me. Well, was it maybe five or six days after you first told me what had happened? And you're like, uh, hi, so I'm painting the hallway black. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, I painted three walls black. She has. Yeah, she's painted these, all these rooms. I all, like, look, my office. Look at her ceiling. Like, Show her the ceiling. I mean, I think it looks it does. It does. And like, I'm obsessed with my bonus room. It's um, iron ore and urbane bronze. Yeah, iron ore, man. That's what we have in our kitchen. But literally you go, well, it's a good thing I don't have more paint or the whole house would be black. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I was like, well, were you intending to paint it black already? Or is this a new decision? Because I feel like that's an important That's question. telling. For yeah. sure. Yeah. It goes without saying that I love you. I support you. I'm so sorry that whatever is going on with you ever, even if it wasn't my fault, that you would feel that way even for a minute. And <laughs> it I'm, wasn't. It wasn't you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't need to apologize for like hormones. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining our unhappy happy yeah. hour. We're going to say bye to Corey. All right. Bye, girl. Bye. bye. I, I haven't, before doing this podcast, I didn't really talk about it other mm-hmm. than my close circle. I never publicly talked about no. um, all of it. But I will say, like, you guys, if you're going through this and you're alone, you have a friend. I don't care if we've never met. I will talk to you. Um, and I will love on you. And I will give you grace. And, and um, even if you just... I don't know, need something explained. Yeah. I think it's really important to talk about topics that are hard to talk about. Yeah. And you know what I think we should do? I think we should end this by saying, I think that we need to do either an IG live or a clubhouse on miscarriage and loss and breaking the stigma. Yeah. I just wanted to have a martini and like talk about like the royal family. I'm really grateful to Megan for... (laughs) That was lovely, Kayla. She really needed a big fat drink there. You guys couldn't see that, but she just downed like half of her martini and accidentally spilled it 
in her lap. Um, but I am really grateful to Megan for sort of opening up the, the mental health conversation because yeah. it doesn't matter your position in life, how much money you have, how well known you are, how glitzy and glamorous your life looks. Um, everyone can fall victim to it. And it's just something to pay very, very close attention to with people who are close to you in your life. Big hugs to anybody who can relate to anything that we've talked about tonight and know that like 100% you're not alone. So even if you need someone to like pray for you, you can reach out to me personally. And I'm, I'm so happy to to pray for you. Thanks for joining us, you guys. And also, um, if you're just dying for Kayla's cucumber martini recipe, hit us up on socials. We'll get it for you. So you can have one with us next time. Thanks for joining us. I love you guys. Happy hour. Unhappy, happy hour. So there was our unexpected episode. We hope you took something away from it that can help you or someone else in your life. Mental health is an incredibly important conversation to be having, especially amongst us moms. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, we have superstar moms TJ Jenkins and Shalene Bryan guesting. Please take a moment to follow us on our socials at Hi, My Name is Mom Official. Thanks, guys. Your name is Mom.